This looks like an ordinary scene you might find in any home. People talking maybe about uh, family issues or maybe the latest political events. Maybe even sports. Could even be the weather. But not today. You see, this is Pastor David, and he's visiting with Bob and Sally, and they're talking about the most important subject in the world. Well, hear it for yourself. That was the craziest thing that I think I've ever experienced. So I will never put a raccoon and a possum in the same cage again. So just, you know, just, you learn, you learn by bad experiences, those type of things. Well, Bob and Sally, I appreciate you uh, giving me some time to visit with you in your home. You've been very kind. If I might, allow me to maybe change our topic towards our church. You visited us recently and, and we're so grateful that, uh, you came to, to worship with us at Colonial. Now, you, you may have found at Colonial that um, we have some unique distinctives. We're not a perfect church by any means. But, you know, our, our deepest desire is to, is to help people in their spiritual journey. And so um, one of the things that we really desire to help people to do is to answer some of the basic questions of life. Like, you know, uh, why are we here? Where do we come from or what, what happens after death um, and how does that affect my life? Have you personally, have you ever thought about those kinds of things? That's a good question. I've thought about it and I really don't, I really don't know other than to say that I'm hoping that I'm a blessing to someone else and that while I spend my time on this earth that I'm, I'm a help and an encouragement to others around me, and that I'd leave a good legacy through our children. That's great. You know, as a follower of Christ, I've I've met many people who um, who attend church regularly. They try to live a good moral life and even follow God's teaching, and yet somehow the church has failed to communicate to them what uh, how to find life, both abundant and eternal. And one of the things that uh, really the church exists for is to let everyone know on the planet how they can find eternal life and how they can know for sure they're going to heaven. You know, in regards to eternal life, I'd like to ask you two very important questions. They're, they're both spiritual in nature, but they're personal as well. May I do that? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, go ahead. Thanks. The first question is, So what are these two very important questions? Before Bob and Sally respond, I'd like to ask you, if you would, to follow along on this sheet of paper titled, What is the Gospel? Now these two important questions get right at the heart of what makes life meaningful. You know, we all search for purpose and joy in our life, but oftentimes we end up with empty dreams and and find disappointment in our pursuits. So what are these two questions? Let's listen in. Have you come to the place in your spiritual life, in your spiritual journey, where you know for certain that if you were to die today, that you'd go to heaven? Or is that something perhaps you'd say that you're still working on? Bob, let's start with you. How would you respond to that? I tell you, you know, I I didn't grow up in a church home, you know, and, and, uh, you know, Sally's been getting me to go to church and everything, and. (laughs) And uh, I've been listening and, and, and really trying to learn 
a little bit about, you know, what's going on. But I'll be honest with you, man, I, I'm still searching. I, I'm still trying to figure it out. Appreciate your honesty. Sally, how would you respond? I don't know. I just, um, I know that we've done a lot of good things. Well, do you think there's a heaven? Yeah, I definitely do. And I think because of, you know, I, I pray. I pray to God every day. And I know he's wonderful. And I just, I, I teach our kids to pray. Mm-hmm. And I brought my husband to church. So that's got to count for something. <laughs> um, so honestly, yeah, I mean, I believe I'm going to heaven. So, so there might be some confusion that you think you're going to heaven and so forth. Well, um, as I said, I have two questions. And, and before I... I um, I ask you that second question. I, I just want to let you know, the, the Bible declares that uh, these things were written that we can know for certain that we have eternal life. Now, that's a great assurance for people who are searching for hope and for assurance of what eternal life is all about. And after I ask you that second question, I, I'd like to share with you how I came to know I have eternal life and, and how you can know for certain. Would that be okay? That'd be wonderful. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Well, here's the second question. Well, suppose today would be your very last day on earth. And you were to find yourself standing before God. And he were to say, Bob, Sally, why should I let you into my heaven? What do you think you'd say? Sally, let's start with you. Like I said, I, I pray to him. We talk. Um, I follow the Ten Commandments. And, you know, I, I try to be a good wife, good mother. I go to church. And, um, again, just, I think he, sh- you know, I think he wants to let me in because he knows that, you know, I, I think a lot of him. And, and I'm doing everything that I can okay. to show him, you know, to be a good person. Okay. Bob, how would you respond? Well, I'm a good guy, man. I mean, I don't, you know, I hadn't killed anybody or... You know, I think your if, wife is glad to hear that. Yeah. You know, if, if, if I see somebody that needs some help, I'll help them. You, you know, I'm, I, he really will. You know, I, I'm a good guy. Don't you think I'm a good guy? Yes, honey, you He's are. He's looking for assurance yeah. here. So, Sally, you would say yeah. that, uh, you know, you pray, you keep the Ten Commandments, you seek to be a good mom, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, you, you seek to live for him and those kinds of things. And, Bob, you, you know, you're, you're a good guy and... Um, it seems like your wife uh, uh, confirmed that yes, here. Yes, um, yes. And you, you really don't do a lot of bad things. Um, uh, probably wouldn't be surprised that that's probably a very common response by a lot of folks mm-hmm. when they think about if God were to, you know, if I were to stand before God, what, what am I going to say? Another, you know, that, that question really gets to the heart of what is the requirement for heaven? And the, when, I, when I heard your response to those two questions, um, really as we're talking about the message of, of eternal life, um, the word gospel means good news. And so I think after you hear what I'm about to share with you, I think that that's exactly what it will be for you. It'll be good news. And here's the message. The message of, of the gospel is that eternal life is a free gift given by God. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, uh, 
that's great to know it's a free gift. And after hearing your response to the questions, I want to clarify what that free gift means. I think that's important for us to do here. Bob, Sally, how long have you guys been married? Ten years, honey. Ten years. I was close. Is that what you were going to say? Just don't ask him the date. That's what I was going to say. Okay. Well, congratulations on that. Uh, Sally, suppose Bob were to, to, uh, for your next wedding anniversary, he was going to buy you a very nice watch. Now, that would be wonderful and unusual. (laughs) Sorry. I'm a good guy. Sorry. Continue. I'm sorry. We'll talk later, Bob. Okay. (laughs) So he brings you this beautiful watch on your anniversary, and you're overwhelmed. Now, you're so overwhelmed, but at the same time, you know it's very expensive, and in your excitement, you say, Bob, let me help you pay for this. I know it's very expensive. Let me help pay for it. Now, whether Bob or not would be offended that you would, you would offer to pay for it, it really goes to that watch would no longer be a gift. Why? Because you had a part in it if you actually helped pay for that watch. That's exactly what Scripture says we try to do when we try to mix our good works with what God has done by offering us a free gift. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Now, let me help you understand it a little bit more because really the scripture says this, it's by grace you are saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. The Bible makes it clear that no matter how many good works we do, we cannot earn a place in heaven. Now, a lot of people think that, you know, they deserve to get into heaven by living a good moral life or attending church regularly or, or anything like that, or even living by the golden rule. But the reality is, is that our, our works are not enough to earn us a place in heaven. The Bible, well, this will come into sharper focus if we understand what the Bible says about us in general. The Bible says this, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, his perfect standard. We're all sinners. And for that, um, we are uh, under God's judgment. Now, sin is not a very popular term today, right? You don't hear about it a lot. Um, but I, I'd be curious, in your opinion, what, what is sin? How would you define sin? As you were saying it, I was trying to figure out, okay, sin, what is sin? Um, I'm guessing, I would assume, you know, all the good things that we do, it's anything that's not good or okay. um, like not obeying the Ten Commandments, not obeying the Golden Rule, okay. not going to church. I'm not real sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bob. Anything uh, just being mean, I guess, you know, some kids down the road that are mean, I'm, that must be sin. <laughs> must be a sin. But yeah, those things. And generally when we think about sins, we think about murder, rape, yeah. terrorism, yeah. and things like yeah. that, right? Yeah. I mean, those are the top yeah. of our list. Yeah. But we generally don't get down to the, the things in life like, uh, you know, maybe a bad thought. You know, someone cuts me off in, in traffic and... <laughs> Or a bad word slips between my lips because, uh, you know, my sports team is losing. Or, uh, 
You know, I promised to do something. Maybe you, you can relate to this, Bob. I promised to do something and didn't fulfill my promise, like coming home on time on dinner for dinner or whatever. You know, those kinds of things. It, sin basically pervades our life because it's not only those big things, it's the small things like that. Like you said, anything that's not good, it's bad, it, it's sin. And, and that's... Uh, you know, a lot of people don't think about how sin really pervades our life. We think, as long as I don't do the big things, I'm okay, right? Yeah. Well, let me help you understand it this way. Let's say that I'm going to try to live the best that I, that I ever have. And I decide I'm going to limit as much sin out of my life that I can possible. And let's say that I'm able to, to only sin three times a day. I, I have one bad thought, one bad word, and, and I uh, don't fulfill one promise I've made. And I do that consistently every day. My family would be pretty happy. Um, I'd be, you know, I, I, I feel pretty good about myself. As a matter of fact, some people may say, well, he's a walking angel. But you know what? Let me give you a different perspective, even if I could do that. After a year, Bob, how many sins do I have? Already I have a thousand, more than a thousand sins to my name. And let's say that I, I live to, to be 70 or 80 years of age. Guess what now? I've got 80,000 sins. Now, that's only three sins a day, and and I know I sin many more times than that. Matter of fact, my wife could confirm that to you. So so that shows us the enormity of that. 80,000 violations of God's perfect standard, even as being a really good person. Now, translate that into traffic court. I show up traffic court one day with 80,000 traffic... Sounds like it's hitting home here. 80,000 traffic tickets. I would fully expect the judge to throw me under the jail, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. And yet, before God, I know that I've, my sins are in the hundreds, if not millions. Mm-hmm. So we, we look at... Now, maybe you're, you're asking yourself, well, what if... How does good works come? Maybe if I do more good works than my bad and... Maybe if I have one good work versus one, one bad thing that I do, or maybe even two good works to one, won't that work? I just quoted you a verse that simply said, it's not by works lest anyone should boast. Mm-hmm. Good works is not enough. Eternal life is not based on your works. It's based on a free gift of God. Your sin, my sin, is what keeps me out of heaven. We'll, we'll understand this even more as we understand the character of God. What the Bible says about God is, really helps us to know where we stand. First of all, the Bible declares that God is love. God is love. All things flow from God. All love that is in the world flows from God, the creator. And because he's love, he's merciful, and he doesn't want to punish our sin. But the same Bible that declares that God is love declares that he is also a holy and just God. He loves us. He doesn't want to punish us, but because he's a holy God, he must punish sin. Now, because of his justice, because of the the character, the truth of God's character, he can't just sweep our sins out the door. The Bible says that he will in no wise let the guilty go unpunished. So we've got a problem. He loves us, but he must punish the sin in our lives. Do you know how God solved this problem? 
He solved it in the person of Jesus Christ. Now I'm curious, in your opinion, who is Jesus Christ? Hmm. You know, who is Jesus Christ? You know, before we hear their reply, I'd like to ask you to consider the same question. Who is Jesus Christ? I'd like you to take a moment and write down your answer. You know, many people think that Jesus is the most significant person in all of human history, while others consider him to be the most controversial. You know, many wars have been fought in his name. Many political powers have risen and fallen in Jesus' name. Many nations have been founded in his name. But yet the world defines him in so many different ways. Let's listen and see how Bob and Sally respond. So how would you respond to that? You want me to go first? Or you sure, want to go? go ahead. You know, like I said, I, I didn't grow up in a church. And, and I've, heard, I've heard his name. I know he was a baby. And, and I know he grew up to be a carpenter. And, and, and I've heard some stuff, but I, I'm really just trying to figure it out. Okay. So? Well, he's God's son. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, he's God's son. Yeah, I heard that. And um, he died on the cross. Mm-hmm. He died on the cross, and when we pray, we say, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, okay. And I agree with all those things that you've said, and, and um, indeed, uh, those are very common response because of the fact that people know that, you know, oftentimes say he was a prophet, he was a good moral teacher mm-hmm. and son of God, and, yeah. you know, he lived many years ago, he died on the cross, mm-hmm. and it's some common knowledge about who Jesus Christ is. Um, and I appreciate you sharing your opinion. You know, um, I've come to a place where I've believed that he's so much more than that. But you know what? Opinions are a dime a dozen. And rather than just focusing on what our opinions are of Jesus Christ, the Bible was given to us to set the record straight. The Bible is the most historically accurate book ever written. And this Bible declares who Jesus Christ is truly is. In one of the biographies written by one of the men who followed Jesus while he was alive on earth, wrote this about him in John chapter 1. And he referred to Jesus as the word from God. Okay, so that's his title. So he said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, And we saw his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. See, the Bible declares that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. God came down from heaven and entered into human flesh, fully God and fully man. Now, why did he do that? Remember the problem that we're dealing with, with uh, God loves us, and that's why he sent Jesus, but he also must punish our sins. Jesus came for this reason. And in his own words, he said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus came to earth. He lived a perfect and sinless life. And he paid the penalty of sin, our penalty our death penalty of sin. And then he rose again from the dead to give us eternal life. Let me illustrate it this way. I'll use this book you have here. 
the, the Bible tells us that heaven keeps a record book of our lives, a complete record. Mm-hmm. Let's say this is my record book. The front here has my birth certificate. The very back here has my death certificate. And all these pages are filled with everything that I've ever done, every word, every thought, every deed, all the good things I've done. But unfortunately, all of the bad things. And let's say again that I want to really try to do, do different. And, I, and I, I try to turn over a new leaf. Or I try to turn my life around. You know what? I still have it with me. I still have my full record with me. What did God do? He sent his son, Jesus Christ, who came and lived a sinless, perfect life and told us about the Father and told us how much the Father loved us that he sent him in order to save us. And Jesus went to the cross. And the Bible says that all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Jesus took our penalty as he was upon the cross. All the penalty, all of our sins was laid upon him. And he paid the penalty for that sin. Now while Christ was upon the cross, he uttered these words, It is finished. Now that sounds like someone crossing the, the, you know, the the finish line or something. Hey, I finished the course. But he actually used a term to telestai, which was a commercial term. And it meant paid in full. Imagine you buy a car and you finally make that last payment and, and in the mail comes that, that contract you signed early on and it's been stamped, paid in full. Christ, as he was hanging upon the cross and our sins was upon him, he took our sins upon himself. He said, paid in full. And then Jesus died and he rose again three days later. What Christ has done for us is just simply a free gift. We could never earn it or deserve as we said. Now, how do we receive that free gift? We receive it by faith. Again, it's not by works. The Bible makes it very clear. It's not by works. It's by a free gift. And we do it by putting our faith in Christ alone. So you have a chair over here. And, I, and I'd like to use this as just a way of maybe helping, help to illustrate what faith is. May I? Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. please. Thank you. Nothing sticky on it. Right or behave. Well, let me just ask you a couple simple questions. Does this chair exist? Yes. Hope so. You paid probably good yeah. money for it. <laughs> okay. Definitely. Um, do you believe this chair will hold me up? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, why isn't this chair holding me up? These are simple questions. Okay. Not really tricky or anything. Well, you're standing behind it. I'm standing. I'm not sitting in it, right? Yeah. Okay. That's very clear. Okay. So just believing this chair exists is not enough to function for me. The same it is with Scripture. Scripture declares that it's not enough to believe in God or to believe that Jesus lived 2,000 years ago or even believe that Jesus died on the cross for sins. That's head knowledge. But it's not functioning for me yet. Okay? I'm just trying to clarify what true faith is. Well, people also look at faith as kind of a temporary thing. And this key ring kind of represents part of my life, uh, my, my possessions, my home, my work. 
And a lot of people will, will use God as kind of a crutch every once in a while when things are tough, family crisis, sickness in the family, or, or perhaps even, you know, when I'm traveling, I'll, I'll trust God a little bit more. But when things are done and things have improved in my life, you know, I, I don't need to trust him as much. That's not what saving faith is all about. It was several years ago that I made a decision in my life. I came to a place in my life where I realized I needed to put my faith, my true, full trust in what Christ did for me. And I got out of the chair that I was sitting in, trusting in my own good works. And I decided to sit in the Jesus chair. I put my full trust complete reliance. Saving faith is complete reliance upon what Christ has done for me and done for you, for everything. Bob and Sally, does that make sense? Do you understand the gospel? Yes, I do. I do. Well, kind of. Okay. You know, I mean, that's a chair. You know, I mean, <laughs> kind of. Okay. The gospel is, is more than a story to be admired. It really demands that we either accept it or reject it as truth. And so to put your faith in Christ alone means simply to turn from your sins. We call that repentance. It means to transfer your trust out of what, Bob, what you can do, Sally, what you can do to get into heaven, and to realize that that won't work. And to transfer that trust from yourself to Christ completely. And then it means to accept him as Lord and Savior, as a resurrected Lord and Savior, committing your life to him. The Bible says this, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Bob, what's your response to the gospel? David, Sally told me you were coming, and I, and I was glad you were coming. And, um, but this is all new to me, and I'm, I'm really just, you know, I've been to a couple of services, and, and, and we've, you know, we've been talking, and uh, I guess I'm really just trying to, I need to learn a little bit more about it, you know. Uh, I haven't read the Bible a whole lot, so... I mean, I've heard the things you've said here, and I just, I'm just not ready to, I fully to do anything that. as far as that goes. But Bob, I respect that, and yeah. I appreciate you I being honest and transparent. Yeah. And uh, I'll be happy to, to help you in this journey. And uh, there's some men at our church that would love to have you as a part of a, of a group to help you in that journey. No, no pressure or anything, but just to help you where your questions are. Uh, you know, man, I'd be open to that. I'd be, I'd be open to meeting with you or some other guys or whatever. Yeah. Great. You know. Sally, what's your response to the gospel? I believe the gospel. I do. And for the first time in my life, I'm going to sit in the Jesus chair. And I'm going to trust him for eternal life. Some have called the gospel the greatest story ever told. It's more than a story. 
It's the truth that must be accepted or rejected. There's no middle ground because either you accept and commit your life to Christ or not. Either you look at him as a fraud, a lunatic, or you see him as perhaps who he truly claimed to be, the Lord. We wanted that opportunity for for all of us here to, to hear clearly what is the gospel. Some of you here have have long known what the gospel is. You've accepted the gospel. You repented of your sins and you have put your full trust in Christ. Relish the truth of that, of your sins being forgiven, canceled, paid in full. And a fresh thank him for saving you. Others of you may be like Bob. You're just not sure That's reality. You're just not sure. It was some time ago that uh, a gentleman responded to me that he could not accept the gospel because he did not receive or accept gifts from strangers. (laughs) And he said, Jesus is a stranger to me. Several months later, as he got to know Jesus Christ of Scripture... He committed his life to Christ. But perhaps you're just not sure. You've got questions. And really it comes down to not just answering questions. It really comes down to the willingness of your heart. Willingness to accept. With no pressure, we want want to help you if that's you. If you have a lot more questions, we'd like to help you. After I pray, we're going to be singing a couple more songs, and then we're going to close out the service. I'll be down here with a couple of other leaders, and and we'll be happy to talk with you, put literature in your hand that'll help you in any way, no pressure. But we we want to talk with you. Now, perhaps you're like Sally. You now know for sure. You now understand the gospel. You now know it has nothing to do with what you can do. It has everything to do with Christ. And we'd like to help you in this new relationship with Christ. We'd like to help you in your journey. And likewise, following the service, we'll be down front here. Come and talk with us. We'd like to help you. The gospel is free, it's good news. Sin has been canceled. Will you accept it? Will you repent and believe? Join me in prayer. Almighty Father and Creator, we thank you that as man rebelled and moved away from you, that you continue to pursue him. And ultimately, you answered the dilemma of our sin penalty by sending your son, Jesus Christ, to pay that penalty and to offer us eternal life. Lord, I pray that in this moment, each of us will examine, are we truly, truly in the faith? Have we embraced the gospel? 
turned from our sins and accepted you as our only Savior. Father, through your Holy Spirit, help those who are struggling. Help those who are not sure. Help those who have now put their faith in you to be confirmed in that faith. Lord, we rejoice of the grace that you've given to us. We praise your name as our great God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray. Amen.